Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. This is David Canfield, and I'd like to invite you to open your Bible and join me for this time in the Word. I recorded this program on Saturday, March 11, 2023. So, in this program today, we want to continue the study of biblical prophecy that we began last week, but not by looking at any particular prophecies in the Bible. Instead, Uh, what I want to do is take some time to consider the life of the prophet Daniel and see what does his life show us about how we can be ones who see visions and revelations from the Lord. What kind of person do we have to be to have the kind of open heaven that Daniel did? Because we can learn so much from his life in this regard. And we're not talking about uh, these kinds necessarily of dramatic visions that, that, that Daniel saw with the uh, the, the the vision of the great image or the, the four beasts, things like that. But when we come to the word, it should open to us and the Lord should have a way to really speak something to us in his word. So we're not just t- touching the black and white letters, but we're really touching the Lord himself and we have uh, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Lord needs people like this today. In Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, we're told, without vision, the people perish. So for sure, we should be people of vision. We should be people who really see things in the spiritual realm, really see things in the word of God. And that's what we can learn by looking at uh, the prophet Daniel in his life. And he was a prophet. The Lord makes that clear in Matthew 24, verse 15. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So he was clear. Daniel was a prophet. Uh, Some people have a question about that because he's very different from a lot of the other prophets in the Old Testament. But the good thing is, Daniel's not so remote from us as so many of the other prophets were. He doesn't make these great declarations, thus saith the Lord, right? Uh, Like you see in, in, in so many of the other prophetical books. Instead, he does see visions. And often he himself, he doesn't understand what these visions mean. So he has to to go and ask uh, an angelic messenger to explain it to him. Or sometimes it's the angel Gabriel explaining the vision to him. Just like we would open the word and have to seek the Lord in the word to uh, make his word clear to us. Secondly, the life Daniel lived is not so remote from the kind of life that we live. Of course, he was a very high official in, in the government at that time. That's very different from us. He, the kind of living he had, he had was very high. But in principle, it's the same kind of living that we would have. Whereas when you look at some of the Old Testament prophets, we don't even know much about them to begin with a lot of times. But when we do know something of their life, it just seems it was very, very uh, unique and specific to that time. It's not the type of living we might have today. Now, of course, the Lord is the Lord. He might call us in a certain way. We don't know. But in general, the type of living that Daniel had is much closer to the type of living that we would have today. And so we can look at the life of this kind of man and see what lessons can we learn from him about how to be a person who sees visions, who, to, who has the word open to us, so we can be those who serve the Lord's people today. And that's what we want to take the, uh, the rest of the program to consider. So first, I'd like to just bring out some points regarding Daniel in in kind of a general way. And the first one is that Daniel was a person who was absolutely for God. He was absolutely for God's people. And he was absolutely for God's purpose on the earth. If we want to see things in the word, and if, if, if we want the Lord to show us what his purpose is, we need to have a heart for the Lord and for his purpose and for his people. 
it's not just a matter of intellectual curiosity or an academic study. Uh, you know, if, if we think we, we want to know something about theology or something like that, then the Bible is not going to be an open book for us. If we want the Bible to open up to us, we have to be those who are really for the Lord and for his purpose and for his desire. Daniel paid a big price to follow the Lord, as he did. Uh, and that's why he saw the visions that he did, a big part of it. And it's the same in the New Testament. You look at the, the Apostle John. He had this great revelation. Well, today, until today, people like to argue all about the different uh, points in the book of Revelation, what they mean. But quite often, it seems, their heart's not really for the Lord. But Daniel was given, sorry, John was given the, the book of Revelation when he was on the island of Patmos. He was there as an exile. He was suffering and being persecuted because he was standing for Christ and for his purpose. And that's why he was able to receive the vision that he did. And we have to have that same kind of spirit, not just looking at the Bible as a matter of curiosity or to get some teaching. I'm a big believer in teachings, but our heart has to be for the Lord himself and for his desire. Then the Bible will begin to open up to us. So that's the first uh, principle that we need to see regarding Daniel. And we won't say too much more about that right now because we'll see that develop as we go through this book. And uh, it's really almost on, on every page of this book. You can see how much Daniel really did stand for the Lord and for his purpose. So that's the first thing. The second point, and this is a very practical matter, was that Daniel had spiritual companions. And you see this especially uh, early on in the book. In chapter, chapter 1, it was Daniel with his three companions who took the stand not to defile themselves with the king's food that had been offered to the idol sacrifices. So he wasn't standing by himself. And if we want to stand for the Lord, we need to have good, healthy spiritual companions. That's especially true at a young age. We need to be those who are really pursuing the Lord together with other saints. We're not meant to lead an individual Christian life. We need to be built up together with the other saints. Then our standing for the Lord and our ability to stand for the Lord will be much clearer and much more firm. So very, very important principle about Daniel. He had these spiritual companions. And again, it's especially important for, for young believers in Christ to find and to keep company with healthy spiritual companions. And the third thing you see about Daniel, again, this is just, just to speak about him in a general way, was that he was never swallowed up by the world because he was for the Lord's purpose, because he had good spiritual companionships. He did not get swallowed up by the world to love the world, even though he had such a high position in the king's court for such a long time. And no doubt, as such one, he must have been a very wealthy man. But you never see uh, any indication in the book of Daniel that he was for the things of the world, that he was for living the good life. All through his life, he stood firmly for the Lord's purpose. He was not corrupted by the world, and he was not uh, pursuing the things of the world. And that's the real lesson for us. If we want to be those who see visions like Daniel did, we have to have a clear standing. We're for the Lord. We are not for the world. Now, as they say, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Our purpose, our, the meaning of our existence is to follow the Lord and to stand with him for his desire. So that is speaking of who, the kind of person Daniel was in a more general way. So now I want to go on and really consider a, a couple of specific characteristics regarding Daniel. And I want to, before I do that, I want to say that you know, the kind of person that we are will make a big difference in terms of the extent to which the Lord can use us. If we have a good character, a good humanity that gives the Lord much more ground 
to use us than if we're sloppy, if we're not diligent, if we're not faithful in serving the Lord. It, that our, the kind of person we are, in other words, will limit the Lord's ability to use us. And so we want to exercise ourselves and try to develop ourselves in a way that will give the Lord the best opportunity to use us as he sees fit. We shouldn't think everything's on God's side. In a sense, yes, God is sovereign. He made us the way he did. Uh, all of that's true. But we have our responsibility to exercise ourselves before the Lord so that he can use us. You know, God has his sovereign love. That's true. But he also has his responsive love. And in the same way, we can say God has his sovereign grace, but he also has his responsive grace. And by responsive love and responsive grace, I mean he sees how we respond to what he bestows upon us. And if we get the benefit from that, and if we do get the benefit from his love and from his grace, he brings us into something more. That's a basic principle with the Lord. To him who has, more shall be given. Now, on the other side, you know, the Apostle Paul warned the believers, uh, I believe in Corinth, don't receive the grace of God in vain. It's possible we can receive God's grace in vain. People talk about irresistible grace. Well, maybe in a sense there is something uh, about grace that's irresistible. But in another sense, it's not irresistible. We may waste the grace that God gives us and not make the full use of it. That's a very, very serious matter. Paul could say, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, maybe it's verse 3. Actually, I better look that verse up. It's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. By, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I hope we can all say that. It's God's grace that's made me what I am. Praise the Lord for that. And Paul goes on. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. So yes, on one hand, everything is of God's grace. And yet Paul could say, God's grace to me was not in vain. He made use of the grace that God gave to him. And it was that grace and the fact that he made the use of that grace that enabled him to serve the Lord as he did. So we should never be passive in our seeking of the Lord and just excuse ourselves by saying everything depends on God's grace. That's true. But there's still the question of do we avail ourselves do we get the profit from the grace God bestows upon us? This is a big, big manner, a very serious responsibility. Whenever we receive some grace of the Lord, do we make use of the grace the Lord has given us to produce a real profit for the Lord? And that very often, as I say, depends on the kind of person that we are. Do we have the characteristics that make us the kind of person that the Lord can use? And we should seek to develop those characteristics in a very good way so that we can become useful to the Lord. And that's why it's profitable now to look at some of these uh, really uh, outstanding characteristics in Daniel the prophet. Because, as I say, he's such a good example for us uh, to follow in our time. In Matthew 24, verse 45, the Lord is, is talking with the uh, apostles, about the, uh, his disciples, about the things that were to come very shortly before he was crucified. And he tells them, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom the master will set over his house to give his servants their food at the proper time? So in this verse, the Lord gives us two very basic characteristics he is looking for in those he desires to use to care for his sheep. And it's very straightforward. 
He's looking for those who are faithful and those who are wise. And these are two outstanding characteristics that you see in Daniel when you take a look at, uh, at the book of Daniel. From the very beginning, he was faithful. He took that stand. In chapter 1, he took that stand. He was not going to defile himself with the king's food. He took that stand together with his companions. It would have been so easy to go along with uh, this apprenticeship program and what they had told him. You know, you have to eat the king's food to be ready to serve the king. And he could have said to himself, well, we're, we're out of Israel now. Uh, we've been, Jerusalem's gone. At least we're not going back there again. So, so what does it matter if we defile ourselves with the king's food? But Daniel was still faithful. Even in that difficult situation, he was faithful not to defile himself with the king's food. And I want to say here, too, this had a lot to do with his conscience. He knew it wasn't right to eat that food because it had been sacrificed to idols. And he knew if he ate that, he would be defiled. And so he took care of what his conscience told him to do. And this is a, it's something of a side point, but it's a very, very crucial point in our service to the Lord. It's always so important to take care of our conscience. If we don't take care of our conscience in a good way, really very difficult for us to go on with the Lord and to serve the Lord. You know, if Daniel had not taken the stand in the first chapter of the book, it's very difficult to see how he could have served the Lord as he did later on with the conscience uh, that was defiled and, of course, with the person that was defiled with that food that had been sacrificed to the idols. But he was faithful to take the stand that he did from the very beginning of the book. Praise the Lord. Well, you could say that's being faithful in a small thing, whether or not you, you eat some food that's uh, sacrificed to idols. Maybe that's a, a small thing to be faithful in. But the Lord is very clear. He who is faithful in little will also be faithful in much. And so all throughout the rest of the book, you see Daniel was faithful in whatever he did. And specifically, you see that in Daniel chapter 6. And this is the chapter where the other administrators over the kingdom at that time, it, it was the kingdom of the Medo-Persian Empire, they were jealous of Daniel, and they wanted to get him in trouble so they could get rid of him. And so Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 says, So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. So Daniel, whether he was standing for the Lord or whether he was serving the king, he was faithful in all that he did. He was faithful in the least. He was faithful also in much. And of course, in this instance, he was faithful to the point where he could very easily have been martyred for taking the stand that he did. But he still would not compromise in terms of his service to the Lord. So this is one of the key characteristics that made Daniel so useful to the Lord and made him the kind of person who could see the visions that he did, that he was one who was faithful. And he was also wise, again, in, in, in so much that he did. And sometimes it tells us specifically that. But just to go back to the example in Daniel chapter 1, when he would not eat the, the, the food that had been offered to idols, the way he went about that was very, very wise. Because he didn't just insist, I'm not going to eat this food. What he did was, he first of all, he purposed in his heart that he was not going to eat the food. But then he worked with the ones who were over this training program, this apprenticeship program, and cooperated with them and allowed the Lord to work out the situation. And I'll just read that. It says, Now Daniel, in chapter 1, verse 9, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? 
then you would endanger my head before the king. So then Daniel goes on, he says, you test us, give us these, uh, the vegetables for 10 days and see how that works out. And if, if we look better, uh, then fine. But if not, just do what seems good to you. He trusted the Lord to work it out and the Lord did work it out. So it says at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. And so they were able to avoid eating the uh, food that had been sacrificed to idols. So you can see here, even at a young age, Daniel was very wise. And the real wisdom he had here is the kind of wisdom that you see in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is really so. As a young man, Daniel feared the Lord. And you can see that in this incident here. He didn't insist on doing things a certain way. He really trusted the Lord to work out what needed to be worked out. And he committed it into the Lord's hands. He had a real fear of the Lord. And that was the beginning of wisdom. Even getting into this and and considering this, uh, I've had much more of an appreciation of the meaning of that verse. If we want to be those who are wise... We need to develop a real fear of the Lord and learn to trust the Lord in all of our daily affairs. Then we can have the kind of wisdom that Daniel had. Praise the Lord for that. And it goes on in Daniel chapter 1. After they passed this test of not being defiled with the um, food uh, that had been sacrificed to idols, it says that, uh, As for these four young men, Daniel and his three companions, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So it seems like the Lord blessed them because of the stand that they took. And a few verses later, they went in before the king, and it says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. So from a very young age, Daniel had a good deal of wisdom. Now, there is an important difference between faithfulness and wisdom in this respect, that faithfulness is pretty much on our side, whereas wisdom is pretty much on God's side. And by that, I mean, we need to take a stand ourselves that we are going to be faithful, whether it's in the matter of serving the Lord or in our our other human responsibilities. We need to take that stand and exercise ourselves to be faithful. But we may or may not have a lot of human wisdom. Some people have more than others, right? And I wouldn't necessarily put myself in the latter class of in that respect. Uh, but what we can do is seek the Lord for wisdom and ask him for wisdom. James tells that in James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we can seek the Lord for wisdom. And as I said before, the beginning of wisdom, the Bible makes it very clear, is to have a real fear of the Lord. And we should seek the Lord for this kind of wisdom. And then, hopefully, as time goes on, eventually we will develop a kind of wisdom that will really enable us to serve the Lord. But we should ask the Lord and seek the Lord for this kind of wisdom. That's the prayer of Solomon. Uh, When he was, uh, the Lord appeared to him shortly after he became king and asked him, what do you want me to give you? And Solomon said, uh, this people is so great, how can I possibly rule over them? Give me the wisdom to go in and out among them. He sought the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord gave him really a, a unique wisdom among all mankind. And when I read that story, I'm always reminded of something that Witness Lee said, which is he, when he was a young man in China, 
in the city where he lived, uh, he, the Lord used him to raise up a church there. And, of course, he had a lot of responsibility for the church he had raised up. And he said that he prayed the prayer of Solomon at that time. He asked the Lord for the wisdom how to go in and out among his people so he could care for the saints and care for the church in a good way. And it really seems like the Lord answered that prayer. So we need to seek the Lord for wisdom. On the one hand, we ourselves, we need to take a stand, and it's also by the Lord's grace to be sure. But we need to take a stand that we're going to be faithful, and we need to seek the Lord and ask him for the wisdom to serve him in an appropriate manner. But we need both sides. This will make us the kind of person that the Lord can use in a genuine way when we're those who are faithful and those who are wise. Praise the Lord for that. So that will do it for this segment of the program. We'll take a brief break and then continue with our consideration of the prophet Daniel. I just want to take a minute to remind the listeners that this program is being produced in connection with my website, which is thechristianfaith.org. I hope you'll visit that. I think there's a number of very useful resources on there to help you with your spiritual growth, with your walk with the Lord, and with your serving of the Lord, and to have a view of what God's purpose is. If you want to subscribe to our e-letter, which we send out a couple times a week, just click on the subscribe link there. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. So I want to say a little bit more about Daniel's wisdom, uh, just to add a few points to what was said earlier. Daniel was not proud, and that was a big part of his wisdom. And he could have been proud, and he was in this uh, training program for serving the king. And even when you read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, the qualifications to be in that program, it says they were looking for young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So just to qualify for this program, it would have been easy for Daniel to be proud and to think he was somebody uh, really special. Well, he was somebody special, but he didn't view himself as somebody, someone who was necessarily above others. He did not have that kind of proud spirit. Instead, he had a spirit of depending upon the Lord. And that was a big, big part of his wisdom. Again, it relates to this matter of fearing the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. But you see that in his prayer in chapter 2, after God had revealed to him Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great image. Daniel prays this prayer. He says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light belongs with him. Light dwells with him. So you can see, he was one, he realized all that he had came from the Lord. And that gave him such a humble spirit, and never a sense that he was proud, or that he had everything that he needed to have. Uh, last year, uh, there the, the saints I, I fellowship with here in the Midwest in the Great Lakes area of the United States and Canada, there was a college conference, and they got into the book of Daniel at that time, and also for the Labor Day conference. I, I wasn't at the college conference, but I was at the Labor Day weekend conference. And one point they brought out about Daniel that I really appreciated is that 
when he saw something from the Lord, he kept looking. He kept wanting to see more. And again, that shows you he's poor in spirit. This is such an important characteristic. Actually, it's, it's the first characteristic that the Lord mentions in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the so-called Beatitudes. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of the heavens. So important to be emptied out in our spirit and not to feel that we've always have everything that we need, that we've attained, that we've arrived at, uh, a kind of spiritual sufficiency. We should never have that kind of a view. Instead, we want to be those who are poor in spirit. And that's the way Daniel was. So when he saw the visions that he saw, he always wanted to understand more. He wanted to enter into more. He always had a seeking kind of spirit. And as the brothers brought out in in Daniel chapter 7, it's really good when you look at this and just pull out these phrases where Daniel says, I saw and I kept looking. Uh, That kind of phrase. So I'm just going to go, I did this and this, you could do this yourself in Daniel chapter 7. All these phrases along these lines. In verse 1, and this is, uh, I should say, this is the uh, vision of the four beasts in Daniel chapter 7. In verse 1, he says, I saw. In verse 4, I watched. In verse 6, I looked. Verse 7, after this, I saw. So you can see he, he he's, he's looking, looking, looking to see what's going on. Verse 8, I was considering. Verse 9, I watched. Verse 11, it says I watched twice in that verse. Verse 15, I asked one the truth about all this. Verse 19, I wished to know the truth of the fourth beast. Verse 21, I was watching. So even until the end, he's still watching, watching, looking, trying to see more because he was one who was poor in spirit. And if we want to see visions, it's so important for us to have the same attitude, never to feel, I know fully. I fully understand everything. We shouldn't have that kind of an attitude because there's always something more the Lord wants to bring us into. No spiritual experience is ever complete. No vision is ever complete. It's always line upon line, here a little, there a little. So it's so important for us to be poor in spirit. And you really see that uh, in Daniel. One very important characteristic we can learn from him as an aspect of his wisdom in following the Lord. So now that we've considered a little bit concerning Daniel's character, I want to go on and look at how he exercised himself before the Lord. That's also a very, very striking characteristic about Daniel. And the first way he exercised himself before the Lord is he was really a man of prayer. His whole life he was a man of prayer. Uh, Again, from a very young age. And the the prayer that we just read in Daniel chapter 2, as a young man he prayed this marvelous prayer. Uh, to the Lord of thanksgiving for the the vision he'd received. You see that also in chapter 6 when they were, these other administrators were trying to find a way to trap him. Uh, And Darius signed this decree that no one could pray to anyone except to to, uh, him. And it says in Daniel 6 verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God, gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He had been doing this his whole life, kneeling down with his windows open and praying to God. And evidently he prayed out loud because they knew he was praying. That's why they knew they could trap him in this regard. They heard him praying. And this was his custom from his early days, praying toward Jerusalem. Again, you see, Uh, He was one who was really for the Lord and for his purpose and for his desire and for his people. Uh, I should also point out in this verse, later on in this verse, 
chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 20, when Darius in the morning after Daniel's in the lion's den, has been in the lion's den all night, Darius comes and says, when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? So here you see, in this verse, even though Daniel was serving the king at that time, the king said, I know, Daniel, you serve the Lord continually. So again, here you see a, a, a real testimony that Daniel was constantly serving the Lord all through his life, and everybody knew he was serving the Lord. But in particular, in this uh, chapter, I want to bring out, he served the Lord with his prayer, constantly praying to the Lord, even from a young age. He was a man of prayer. And of course, you see that, see that also in chapter 9, after he reads about uh, the prophecy, Jeremiah's prophecy of the 70 weeks, he has this marvelous, marvelous prayer of confession and repentance before the Lord, asking the Lord to do something for the sake of his purpose. And I'll just read a few verses of that. It's such a, such a moving prayer. It says, Daniel says, I set my face toward the Lord my God, Lord God, to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. And the prayer goes on from there. Just a, a, a profound, profound prayer of the confession and repentance before the Lord and asking him for the sake of his mercy to do something for the sake of his sanctuary. And you can see by this kind of prayer, Daniel really was such a man of prayer, just constituted with prayer his whole life so he could bring this kind of prayer before the Lord. Then in chapter 10, Daniel 10, verse 2, it says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So here, by this time, Daniel would have been well into his 80s, because this is the uh, third year of King Cyrus. So if he was carried away to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar when he was a young man, that was more than 70 years ago. So Daniel, uh, like I say, probably was well into his 80s by this point, and yet he's praying and fasting for three whole weeks. You can see what a man of prayer he really was. And again, that's just a huge factor in, in what enabled him to see these visions. And in both chapter 9 and chapter 10, it was his prayer that ushered in these great visions that he saw. We'll say a little bit more about that uh, in a minute. So he was a man of prayer, but he was also one who was in the word. And we know this because in Daniel chapter 9, that's how he found out about the prophecy of the 70 years for the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, Daniel understood by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel here understood by the books. It wasn't that he had a great vision all the time. You can see here he is reading in the books, just like we read in the books. And because of that, he saw what, Dan, what God's purpose was for Jerusalem. And that became the basis for his prayer in that chapter. So you can see he was also one who was very much exercised in the word. 
And I'd also point out here, you see another aspect of how Daniel was not proud. He was not full of himself because here he recognized Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord. Jeremiah was one, of course, who lived a little bit earlier than Daniel. Uh, They overlapped, but uh, Jeremiah was earlier. And Daniel recognized that this was also a prophet of the Lord, a servant of the Lord. Because sometimes when the Lord gives us something, if we feel we have something of the Lord, it may be hard for us sometimes to acknowledge the Lord has also used others to serve him. Not just us. We may feel, I'm the only one. I'm the unique one the Lord would use to serve him. No, Daniel recognized here there was another brother who was also serving of the Lord, who was also serving the Lord, who was a real prophet of the Lord, not just himself. So you can see it's, it's, it shows his character. He was not a person who was proud. He was not a person who was for himself. He was for God's purpose. And so he was able to recognize here is a brother the Lord is also using for the sake of his purpose, namely Jeremiah the prophet. Now, there's one other characteristic of Daniel that we need to consider uh, because it's such a, such a pattern for us and such an example for us to follow is that as one who was really for the Lord, who loved the Lord, and who was for God's purpose and who was for God's people, and as one who was uh, faithful to the Lord and who exercised a real wisdom in service to the Lord, and as one who was constantly in prayer and who was very much in the word as well, As such a one, Daniel was constantly growing, stage by stage by stage. You really see that all throughout the book of Daniel. He was growing in terms of his relationship with the Lord and in terms of his spiritual capacity. In fact, I don't know in the entire Bible if you see another example of this that's so clear as it is in the the case of Daniel, of one who is growing, growing, growing all the time. It's really something. Uh, But this is such a, a pattern for us. And so let's just go through quickly, chapter by chapter, and and see how this uh, is uh, shown to us in the book of Daniel. In chapter 1, of course, that's where he takes a stand. He's not going to defile himself with the king's food. And as a result of that, God gives him wisdom, and he also gives him understanding in visions. So in chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And Daniel is the one who's able to interpret that dream and make it known to the king. So he interpreted the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. In chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And this time he tells the dream to Daniel. But now Daniel does not have to go and ask his friends to pray uh, for him. And he doesn't have to have a, a dream by night. Instead, he is able to interpret the dream for the king right there. Because he's grown in his fellowship with the Lord. So he doesn't need to have a night vision. He interprets the dream for the king right there in Daniel chapter 4. In Daniel chapter 5, it's very similar. That's where you have the, the feast of the, the corrupt king Belshazzar and uh, the hand writes on the wall. Daniel, again, he comes in and he interprets that writing right away. With King Nebuchadnezzar, of course, Daniel seems to have had a good relationship, but he didn't have any relationship with King Belshazzar, but he was still able to interpret the dream, uh, interpret the writing for him on the wall. In Daniel chapter 6, that's where he takes a firm stand not to forsake the Lord, not to uh, give in to the threat of persecution. He firmly stands for the Lord and for his purpose, even in the facing the threat of being martyred. So then you come to Daniel chapter 7, 
And it seems like based on all the experiences that he's had up to this point, now in Daniel chapter 7, for the first time, he receives a vision himself directly from the Lord. It's in a dream. He has the vision of the four beasts. That's the first vision Daniel has by himself. That's in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 8, he has another vision. This is the vision of the ram and the he-goat. But this time, it's not a dream. This time, it's just a vision uh, that God gives him when he's standing by a river. Again, this is because he's grown in his fellowship with the Lord. So he has more of an ability to receive a vision directly. So it doesn't have to be in a dream. Now he's able to receive the vision directly. Then in chapter 9, uh, as we touched on a little bit earlier, the difference here is quite striking. Now it's not God, in a sense, who initiates the vision. The one who initiates the vision here is Daniel through his prayer. And now he's grown to the point and developed his spiritual capacity to the point where he is able to initiate something of the Lord's work and initiate something of the Lord's revelation by his prayer. This is really a big, big step forward. And as those who serve the Lord today, we should all aspire to be this kind of person. We don't have to wait for the Lord to do something. Because we're so one with the Lord, because we've grown and developed uh, to such an extent, we, in a sense, are able to initiate the Lord's work. And you can say, yes, no doubt the Lord was stirring Daniel to pray, for sure. For this to have value, that had to be the case. But in a, from the human standpoint, Daniel was able to respond and initiate the Lord's work, the vision, by offering up this marvelous prayer, because he had grown to that extent. And it's quite striking to note, this is where, in the book of Daniel, the first time he's referred to as one who is uh, greatly beloved, or as some versions say, highly esteemed. As uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, uh, Gabriel's talking to Daniel, and he says, At the beginning of your supplications the command went out, and I have come to you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Because Daniel was such a one who had grown so much in the Lord and had such a capacity that he could initiate the Lord's work, the angel here is telling him, You are greatly beloved. If we have this uh, exercise before the Lord where we can bring in the Lord's work, we're also going to have that sense of the Lord's love for us in a particular, very special way. Not just in the kind of general way where every Christian can touch something of the Lord's love, but in the way of the Lord really values us because we are working with him for his purpose on the earth. That's really quite a, uh, a privilege uh, to have that kind of experience of the Lord. And we can only have that if we grow and we develop in the same way that Daniel does. Then in chapter 10, it's the same thing. Again, Daniel's praying for these, as we were just saying, for these three weeks, praying and fasting as, a, as an aged man at this point. But he's still fighting and struggling to, to bring in something of the Lord's purpose. Uh, one commentator was wondering why, why Daniel was so burdened at this point. Well, it may have been Israel, the Jews had gone back to Jerusalem a few years earlier, in the first year of King Cyrus. This was the third year. And Daniel may have been disappointed by what he saw. He just, could this really be the fulfillment of what the Lord desired? He must, maybe he had a real groaning within. He was so disappointed in the whole situation. We don't know, but possibly that would be one reason to explain why he had such a burden to pray before the Lord. But he has this prayer and this fasting for three weeks. And now he doesn't just see the outward situation God's administration over the earth. He doesn't see the, the, system, the situation of human government. Now, for one of the few times in the Bible, he penetrates 
and sees the spiritual struggle that's taking place behind the outward scene. This is the vision in, in uh, Daniel chapter 10 where uh, an angelic messenger comes and tells him that he'd been struggling against the, uh, the prince of Persia. And he gives us a little, just like, it's like for a little bit, the veil is lifted and we get to see what's going on behind the scenes. We see sometimes in the world, we see the struggle taking place between the political forces. But behind that, according to this uh, Daniel chapter 10, there's a spiritual struggle that's taking place that very much involves our prayer. And Daniel was able to penetrate and see that spiritual struggle and have it revealed to him just for a brief time. And that, in a sense, was the high point of Daniel's spiritual experience. He penetrated in his prayer to that extent where he was able to see the spiritual struggle taking place behind the outward scene. So you can see here how Daniel's growing every chapter uh, almost in the book of Daniel. Now, how we grow is not going to be the same as how Daniel grew. Uh, Everybody's different. Everyone's unique. But the principle we see here is that we should be those like Daniel who are always developing, always advancing, always going forth. And that's going to enable the Lord to bring us into visions and seeings of what's in his word and make us so precious to the Lord in our service to him as Daniel was. He also says this in, uh, again, in Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, he says the same thing to Daniel. He's, uh, this messenger says, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. Uh, in verse 19, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace to you, be strong, yes, be strong. Because he just poured himself out. And so this messenger here is just strengthening Daniel to stand for the Lord as he was speaking to him. So you can see this was a marvelous, marvelous servant of the Lord and such a pattern for us to learn from and to seek to follow so that we could also be used by the Lord. So we could also be those who are full of visions and revelations from the word and that we could be used by the Lord to serve his people and for the carrying out of his purpose on the earth today. So that will do it for this edition of the podcast. I hope this study of the life of Daniel has been a blessing to you. It certainly has been to me to consider this really remarkable servant of the Lord and the lessons we can learn from his life and hopefully apply to our own life and our own service to the Lord. So as the Lord allows, we hope to be back with you again shortly. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in his way for his sake and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.